We're glad that you love the fellowship. Stop it. Just stop it. (laughs) I want to invite you to come to the well this Friday night. The well is a worship night. It's right here. It's going to be right here in this place. It's advertised to be over in the hangar, but it'll be right here at 7 o'clock on Friday night. Listen, I want you to really hear this. This is important. My mom and dad were birthed at the end of the Azusa Street Revival. I was born during the great healing tent revival of the 50s. I was a teenager during the Jesus movement. I was early in ministry during the charismatic movement where the Holy Spirit was spread throughout the the Catholic Church and around the world. We were all washed in the renewal of the late 90s. And one thing I've learned is when you give God what he wants, he gives you what you need. Every one of those movements began with hunger, began with people coming aside, as Deb said this morning, willing to give their time to look to God. I know you've probably seen what's going on in Asbury and other universities, even an Assembly of God college. Are we willing to go aside? Let's, you know, I, I, I don't question that it's God or not God. It is God. And what it becomes, I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. But I'm saying, don't pass us by, Lord. Don't pass us by. So this Friday night, 7 o'clock, right here in the sanctuary, let's fill this place with worshipers that give God what he wants and he'll give us what we need. And now, I have the privilege of inviting just... Two people, well, only one's going to come up. But Michelle and uh, Alex Diaz, Diaz, it was a great day for the church here at the mission when they walked in and signed up to be a part of our team. So we're welcoming. Y'all are so generous with your praise. Holy Jesus. All right, this thing is a giant because my perfect little one bit the dust. So I apologize for its size, but I might not actually have to use these because it is so big. I I just want you guys to know that uh, we didn't like all get together before church this morning and say, hey, I'm going to talk about this and you're going to talk about this and then you're going to sing these songs. Like literally, that's probably wise, but we didn't do that. But everything that has been sung, been said, been breathed is so Holy Spirit ordained and orchestrated. Today is a new day. There is something so significant about today. And I feel like there are a number of you here that already know that, and that's why you're here. You said, I got to be at the mission today. 
people showing up to work going, God, I would really love the day off so I could be at the mission. And then they're not scheduled. Come on now. Jesus is here. Holy Spirit is here. Um, whew. Spirit of the fear of the Lord. We thank you for the awe that you bring. The awe and the reverence that you bring to our almighty God. Spirit of might. Thank you for the sword of justice that you yield. Spirit of wisdom. Thank you for the wise counsel that you bring. Spirit of understanding, I release you to speak and reveal all the mysteries of God that need to be revealed today as I speak, as my voice is heard. There are things that people in this room need to hear that I will not speak, but you are speaking and you are revealing. Beautiful Holy Spirit. You are the compassionate one. You are the one who broods over that which is formless and void and you create new life. And there are those of us here today that need things that are formless and void to be created and breathed into. Holy Father. We acknowledge your beauty, your glory, your majesty. Jesus, we thank you. Because apart from you, we would not know the beauty and the majesty of our Father. Thank you, Father, for all the angels that are actively coming and going in this room right now. I thank you for the praise and the worship that has just literally laid streets of gold before us. That we would have a place to lay down our lives and say yes. You are holy. You are holy. There's so much that has been said today that is exactly what is in my, um, in my teaching for the day. And so I'm just listening and waiting because I know that he's here. He's here to move in signs and wonders. He's here to bring healing, to bring repentance, to bring restoration.
This is his house. Thankfully, he let us have the keys. But this is his house. There's been so much that's been going on in the news lately. And I just... um, I want to confess some things today. So I'm asking that you would be gracious. That as you hear me speak, that you would listen with kindness and understanding. I'm not proud of what I'm about to share, but I'm very grateful for the process and the journey. You know, I am, uh, I am not your current events girl. I do not watch the news. I do not know all the things that are going on in the world. I have enough to do. I am a wife to an amazing husband, and I have three teenagers, a grown son, his wife, and a grandson. I work here part-time. I own a business. I teach online. I have enough to do. I don't go looking for other people's business, right? And I, when, uh, when current events happen, I am usually the last to know. Now, I'm not necessarily proud of this, um, but I'm usually playing catch-up when something significant has happened. Now, I have friends that are constantly getting bings on their phones with all the current events, the things that are going on. They're praying. They're interceding. They work in various places in government. They know what's going on behind the scenes. I am clueless. I'm clueless. I'm not proud of it, but I am. But recently, I have been very convicted. Very convicted. A couple months back, I started feeling this unrest. Just kind of unrest inside of me. I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I knew something had shifted, something had changed. I wasn't quite sure what it was. But I kept going. I'm just going to keep going. You know, you're just like, I'm just going to keep doing the things I know to do every day, right? Whatever it is will sort itself out. On February 6th, we have a 7.8 magnitude earthquake that rocks Turkey, killing over 40,000 people. Their death toll is still rising. I find out about it two days later. The reports coming out of Syria are tragic and miraculous. Both. Children being returned to their parents, spouses, families. Bodies being uncovered so families can grieve. It's tragic. And when I heard about it, I hate to say this, but this was my response. Oh, wow, that's terrible. Jesus, help them. And I went on about my day. Then the very next day, congratulations, Ryan, the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. 
right? And I couldn't help but think, wait a minute. I remember the last time the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. There was this whole thing about some prophet and the things that he had prophesied. Right? Bob Jones. Right. Okay, but like I said, I'm not up on all the prophetic words and all the prophets and all the news and all that. I have enough to deal with in my own life. I didn't know exactly what that prophetic word pertained to other than a billion soul harvest. And I remember in 2021 thinking, huh, don't see a billion soul harvest. You guys, I told you, this is ugly. Be gracious as you hear me share the condition of my heart. Twenty twenty one, we're in the middle still of a pandemic, but nonetheless, the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. You know, the Lord had me look up the dates of when they won the Super Bowl, and I thought that's strange, but I looked it up, wrote it on a note. January eleventh, nineteen seventy. February 2nd, 2021. February 7th, 2023. I thought, well, okay, I'll look them up, whatever. Then the very next day, February 8th, Ashbury Revival takes place. It's an ongoing revival. It's still happening. People are still showing up. People are still worshiping at the university in Kentucky. This event was prompted after students felt led to linger in the presence of the Lord. Just a few. It started off with everybody left, but a few stayed behind because they felt something. They felt like God was still there. Then other students started to hear and get permission to come back into the chapel and linger in the presence of the Lord. But I hear this, and I think, so a few students are coming and worshiping, and we're going to call it a revival. I'm not proud of that thinking. But it was my thought nonetheless. I didn't say it out loud, but I said it and it was heard. And I began to question, really, so what do we define as a revival today? People just staying in worship? What are the numbers that are connected to it actually being a revival? In my mind, I went down this critical pathway. Why? Why wasn't my response, wow, that's awesome. These college students are staying in the presence of God. How beautiful is that? And it's leading to others coming. What? That would have been a great response, wouldn't it? That was probably your response, wasn't it? But mine was one of criticism and doubt. What I'm sharing with you today has been my experience, my conviction, and is my responsibility 
as much as I didn't want to, and I don't want to confess this on YouTube and however else this will go, I felt like it was really important as a leader, as a mother, as a prophet, as a pastor, as a lover of Jesus, that I exposed something that I was entertaining and I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. It snuck up on me. You know, um, recently we've started the Ignite Deeper School, right? It's Ignite a Deeper Intensive. You guys have heard about it. How many of you are in that school? Come on now. Yeah, come on. Um, and Deeper is an, it, Deeper was a school that was, it used to be the Potter's House, and then it became Deeper, um, and now we have Ignite, a Deeper Intensive. And as we were looking to start Deeper again, uh, knowing the, the history that it holds, the, um, yeah, knowing the history that Deeper has held. I mean, last week we heard uh, Basil and, and Oni talking about the impact that Deeper has had in their lives. And then we had John and Marcia Tulio, um, our Philippines missionaries, talking about how they met in Deeper. I mean, people are meeting their spouses. Their lives are being transformed in this, in this school. And we're talking about what is that going to look like now? What does that look like with this congregation? What does that look like with what God is doing here on the earth right now? And I, I just, as the team and I were praying and, and just kind of throwing some things around, we couldn't, we just felt like for this 10 week and what God was doing leading up to this, it, it wasn't deeper. It was something else. Names are important. Names shift things in a moment. The names of God were given to him by the Israelite people when he showed up and did things in their lives that they would never forget him for. They gave him this name. He is the God of breakthrough. Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi. Right? Names are so important. And so we're praying and we're like, okay, Lord, what are you, what are you saying? And one word kind of rose above the rest. Ignite. And we just realized like, wow, it's ignite. God is going to ignite something in hearts. He's going to ignite something in our families. He's going to ignite something in community. He's igniting our passion for the word, right? Well, I didn't know, you know, you do something like that. You're leading something like that. Guess what? You are going to get ignited. So remember when I was telling you that a few, a few months back, I noticed something was shifting. Something was going on and I couldn't quite figure it out. Well, what that was, <laughs> was that he was starting to burn off some things in my life that I had grown really comfortable in. I didn't even realize I wasn't hungry. I didn't even realize that I was no longer curious for the things of God. Because when you're curious, are you going to then move into judgment? 
Not usually. You're curious. You're going to ask questions. Someone who is judging is not seeking to understand. They're they're seeking to shut down in some cases. We judge people for their theology. We judge people for the way they dress, the way they live their lives. We judge, we judge, we judge. And I had entertained this criticism, this critical spirit, and I didn't even know it because I was no longer hungry or curious. So to ignite something means to set a fire, to kindle. That kindling started in me a few months ago. It means to heat to a great degree. Lord God, have mercy. <laughs> To make glow with heat, to arouse a feeling, to excite. The Father is here to ignite something on the earth today. He has already begun kindling fires all over the world. All over the world. But we have a choice. Are you going to be like me and stand back and go, well, I didn't see it happen then. Well, is that really a revival? We entertain things that we don't even understand. And we call it religion. We call it faith. We call it wisdom. I am so convicted. Dave talked about dreams last week. And when he was talking about dreams, that critical spirit, (laughs) that critical attitude was like, yeah, well, you're not going to know your dreams because you're too busy serving everybody else's dream. That was the thought that crossed my mind. And we do need to serve people's dreams. And I love serving other people's dreams. I grow and learn and glean from those that I'm serving. I am who I am today because of who I've served. So I don't have a problem with that. But I was listening with a critical spirit. I was listening with a critical ear that said, oh, how nice for you. How nice for that person. How nice for that person. Lord, let me know when I'm done serving other bands' dreams and I can begin to serve mine. It's ugly, guys. When we are no longer hungry and we are no longer curious, we can get so ugly and not even know it. So how did I lose my hunger? Where did the curiosity go? It was very... Over a period of time when Jesus would, hey, let's go do this, or let's look at this, or hey, read this, or instead of that, let's do this. 
I would just brush it aside. God, I can't do that right now. I only have so much time. I've got to get back to these people. I have a deadline here. Every time there was an invitation, not every time, you're right, Lord, don't speak in. Oftentimes, oftentimes, when Jesus would come and just, hey, how are you? Let's go for a walk. A walk? Do you know what I have to do right now? (laughs) I'll meet you when you get back. Yeah. It was, you guys, I am so not proud of this. (laughs) God. I felt convicted, but not enough to actually do something. I felt convicted over and over and over as he would invite me to get up early, to spend time with him, to linger in his presence, or to go meet with someone that he wanted me to just go meet with. And I was like, I got to work. And one, one evening, as I was laying in bed and I felt him kind of knock on the door and say, hey, come downstairs. Come hang out with me. Like, y'all, this is written in the word, and I still didn't get it. I was like, but I've already got my nightgown on. I'm already tucked into bed. Right? Can I just meet you in the morning? And what I felt, it didn't come to me, I want you to hear this, it didn't come to me in these words, but what I felt formed these words, if that makes sense. You know, eventually I'll stop asking. You guys, those of you that know me, you know I am a passionate lover of Jesus. Now, I want, to, I want to get something clear. I was in the word every day. It wasn't that I was ignoring my faith. I was in the word every day. I was listening to worship music. I was talking to God. I don't want to present that I had completely turned my back and was like, who? What? I got this now. No, I was leaning on him. We were communing, we were talking. There was good God things happening in my life every day. But when he would invite me, just me, for something more personal, when he would invite me to expand my capacity, I couldn't even imagine. I was too tired. Not now. And when I, when I felt that, eventually, I'll stop asking. I thought of a wife or a husband or a child that has continually asked their spouse, can you put down your phone? Can we just hang out? Mom, Dad, can, we, can you not go to that meeting? Or can, you not, can, we, can we not watch TV? Can we just hang out? Can we go for a walk? Can we, like, I saw this. And eventually that, that husband, that wife, that child, that friend stops calling, stops asking. Not because they don't desire it anymore. Not because they're angry. Not because of anything other than they're just done 
being disappointed and rejected. They still love. They still want to show up. How does someone who lives her life rooted and grounded and secure in the fact that I am one with him and he is one with me and there is no separation between us. How does someone who has been so radically changed by the love of Jesus so radically impacted by the love of Jesus that I am unrecognizable from who I was before. How does someone like me grow critical, judgmental, busy? I'll tell you how. I continually disregarded the invitation. Time and time and time again, I disregarded the invitation, the whisper, the nudge. Disregard leads to a lack of hunger, a lack of curiosity. I began to, I went, as I am realizing all of this, and I'm literally in my office on the floor repenting. And I'm just repenting. Jesus, how did this come in? How did this happen? What is going on with me? And he began to show me, he said, Michelle, you, you used to know how to feast upon my presence. But you've become so busy, you're satisfied with the appetizers. I have become so busy, so full of the good God things I was doing that I was satisfied with the appetizers. The reading of my word in the morning. The listening to the worship music. Having a great conversation with someone. I'm not being sarcastic. Those things are powerful. They are good. They are necessary. But I was satisfied with the appetizer. And I wasn't recognizing that he was creating a feast for me. In worship, in the early mornings, at the night, in the, on the walk. Or when he would just say, hey, just, just close the computer. For me, it's not my phone. It's, it's my computer. I don't scroll through Facebook, but I'm deleting thousands of emails or I'm replying to this person or creating that whatever. The disconnect came because I disregarded. And because I disregarded, I began to entertain criticism. Oh, I don't like how that person speaks. Their theology's off here. Her voice drives me crazy. <laughs> Critical. Unteachable. When we criticize others, we are no longer teachable. Who Jesus is in and through them can no longer minister to me. No longer can I receive the fullness of Christ in and through you because I am now criticizing what I don't even understand, but I think I do. As believers, 
it breaks my heart because I see the church criticizing and devouring its own body. And God is on the move and he is here and we are sitting back going, is it really a revival? You know, I thought I was the only one who thought that because these were my inner thinkings. But then I began to do some research. And do you know that there's committees trying to decide if this is an actual revival move of God? Holy Jesus. Wise men. Wise people who have influence that are criticizing just like they've criticized every other move of God. We exalt websites full of criticism. But how did I get mixed up in that? Because I am a lover of Jesus, y'all. We think, or maybe I just thought, maybe it's just me, that I am untouchable in those things because I am rooted and grounded in him and there is no separation and I, I do the good things and I show up and I love the good people and all the things, right? Those are all the things that protect us from that. No, there's one thing. One thing, and one thing only, and that is when he says, hey, come here. You go, I'm coming. Hey, how about we not eat that? Okay. Hey, how about we start taking care of our body this way? Okay. Hey, how about you hang out with so-and-so? Okay. Jesus. When I was laying on my floor... (laughs) Thank God they get vacuumed. (laughs) But when I was laying on the floor, just repenting, I asked the Lord, I said, just speak to me. Just speak to me. And through the repentance, he took me to Matthew 16. He took me to a couple of places, but I just want to take you there with me. And in Matthew 16, this is where the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and they tested him asking to show them a sign. Because all the other miracles... Obviously weren't enough. And he replied, when evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. Y'all know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. This statement of Jesus implies something really important. That he expects us, his sons and daughters, his ambassadors, his image bearers. He expects his people to learn how to discern the times and seasons. The Lord wants each and every one of us to understand the times you are living in. I let myself off the hook saying, that's not my metron. That's not my sphere, my sphere of influence. That's not my lane. I don't need to know about that stuff so that I would feel better. But you know what? If he's saying, Hey, I want you to look up this article. I want you to pray for this. I want you to look up those dates. 
If I'm in a place of disregard, I will disregard, disregard, disregard. And then I'm leaving myself open to criticism. He is trying to protect us and partner with us all in the same time. So the Lord wants each of us to understand the times and seasons that we were living in to maximize the benefit and promise of that specific season. What is the promise right now? The Chiefs have won the Super Bowl two times, folks. What is the promise? Harvest. A billion souls. But do you know what harvest actually means? It means maturity. Maturity. The Lord is saying, I need my bride to be mature. I need my mothers and fathers to be mature because I am bringing in sons and daughters who are messy. The maturity of the harvest is us. But if we're critical, if I am critical, if I am judging whether this is really a move, well, you won in 2021, nothing happened. Is it going to happen next year? Jesus, help me. He wants us to partner with his plans and his purposes. Jesus' physical ministry here on earth was such a short period of time. And guess who missed it? Guess who missed it? The church of the time. The Christian church hadn't yet been developed. The church of the day missed the manifest presence of the living God. Do we want to miss what God is doing today because we are tired, because we are busy? Because I don't want to meet that person. I don't want to do that thing. I don't want to join that ministry. Christian goes out. Where is Christian? Christian. When I'm laying on the floor repenting, I see your face. Why? Because this man goes out at night and he brings food to the homeless. He brings food to people who need it. We want them to come here so it makes it easy for us. But what if that maturity of the harvest is that we are going out? That we are looking in our neighborhoods. That we are looking in our workplace. That we're looking in our families and we're going, Jesus... What do you want to harvest right now? He was only living on the earth, manifest, manifest, manifested as the son of God though for 33 years. Only three that he was even announced. Such a short period of time. Then he took me to Daniel. Daniel 9, where Daniel positioned himself. He was reading the prophets in Jeremiah. And he saw where where Jeremiah had prophesied about the captivity of the Israelites. And he saw, oh wait, the 70 years, when when is it going to end? And he's looking at the times and seasons that he's living in. And as he sees this, he goes, wait, wait. I got to read this. Listen to what it says. I'm going to jump down here. So I gave my attention. So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. Thank God we don't do sackcloth and ashes. Right? He positioned himself 
to partner with God's heart and desires that he had already prophesied so that he could be a part of releasing the plans and purposes of God for the Israelites. It's huge. We have a prophecy. We have so many prophecies. Bob Jones is just one. There are so many others that have been spoken over the years that are confirming God's desire, his dream. Dave talked about dreams. What about his dream? He's not quiet. He's not hiding his dreams. He's writing them on the sky. He's writing them on your heart. He's writing it on the news. He's playing football. Jesus. His desire is to share his plans with us. In Amos 3, 7, it says, Surely the sovereign Lord will do nothing without sharing his plans with his servants, the prophets. The prophets are speaking. But which ones are you listening to? Ones that criticize and tear down what is possible? Because someone might be off a little bit here, or the delivery here, or this here. We have got to stop it. He also. <laughs> this was this was hard to hear. <laughs> but he took me to Revelations 2. Verse 1. Where the angel of the Lord is being told. Where Jesus is talking to the angel of the church of Ephesus. And he's saying, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. And I know how you cannot bear with those who are evil and have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. And I fa- and found them to be pa- false. He said, good job. Good job. I know that you are enduring patiently and that you are bearing up for my name's sake and that you have not grown weary. Good job. But I have this against you. That you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent. And do the works that you did at first. Jesus. The very last part of that verse says, to, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. He's saying, I will grant you eternal life to be in my presence, to feast with me. I've repented a number of times, a number of times. Um, I just give me a few few more minutes because I feel like there's this story I want to share with you. But um, this last Wednesday, I was driving to work and I was at I was at um, Starbucks, <laughs> and I'm in the drive-through. I'm right here on Elm, on Nut Tree and Elmwood. There's a Starbucks there, a CVS, and there is this young woman, and she's on the corner, and she's obviously out of her mind. She's just on heroin or something. She is raging. She's talking to all the demons that are torturing her. 
She is out of her mind. She's dressed in these really short shorts and a little tank top, a black hoodie. She has no shoes on. And she is just out in the open, raging. And I'm sitting in my truck and I'm going, oh God, oh God. And I'm looking around and it's like, somebody do something. Somebody's got to do something. What do we do? Do we call 911? She's going into traffic. People are just going around her and going on their way. And I'm sitting there and I'm panicked because I'm also having this conversation with myself, hoping God doesn't hear me. Am I supposed to do something? I know that the power of the one who was raised from the dead is in me. I know that he who casts out devils is in me. I know that, that God can do all things. It's like, I know that the power of God resides in me, but I am scared to death to go and what, what do I do? I pray and then she gets delivered. And then what? I, I find a home for her. What do I do? I panicked. What do we do? What if, what if she, she beats me up? Like, I mean, that's in the word. They went to cast out demons. They got their butts kicked. The son's a skeever. Like, I mean, I'm headed to work. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I am so upset with myself. Because do you know what I realize more than anything? Is that I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid that what I believe isn't going to manifest. And she's going to be left. And it's going to be ugly. I'm afraid that I don't have answers that I don't really operate in the power of God, I'm afraid. So I'm sitting there and I'm Jesus like, what, what do we do? Send help. Send help that isn't afraid like I am right now. That can actually help her. Like, yeah, okay, so we can, she's delivered, and then what? Hey, come to work with me? I don't know. Where do you live? Do you have a place? Do you, like, what, where do we go from here, folks? We actually need to answer these questions. Because there's a billion soul harvest that is looking for a mother and father. They're looking for people who aren't afraid. I would not be first in that line. <laughs> so as I'm pulling away and I'm literally like shaking and like, if that were my daughter... If that were my daughter. That's somebody's daughter. That's somebody's sister. And I'm like, Jesus. We can't be this powerless. We can't be a powerless bride. We're not a powerless bride. And as I'm pulling out, I see a fire truck. And I'm like, okay, thank God. That's 911, right? So I go over to the fire truck. He's just hanging out. And I said, I don't know if I need to call 911 or if you can do something. And I tell him about her. And she's literally, she had been going crazy. And as my truck was driving away, she's looking at me like this. I mean, we're like 20, not even 20 feet. She's up on the sidewalk and I'm the drive through. And as, and as I drive away, I can see her in a mirror and she's just watching me. Like, yeah. You ain't going to do nothing. Right? And she 
actually kind of had a point. The enemy had a point. But I did. I go to the fireman. I said, I don't know if I need to call 911, what to do. And he takes his, he's got his AirPod on. And he goes, ma'am, I am 911. And I said, thank God. Thank God. I said, she's out of her mind. And as I, he said, thank you so much for telling me. Um, I mean, she was screaming and yelling. I was like, how did he not know? But he did have an AirPod in, so. He goes over, and I drive away, and as I'm, here's the thing, as I'm driving out and I'm getting onto to Nut Tree, um, I hear this voice, and it says, thank you for feeling. But immediately I said, oh, no, you don't. Mm-mm. I'm not going to be let off the hook that easy. I've been confronted with something in my life. And I'm not okay with it. And I'm not about to feel good about myself right now. That's truth. That's the truth. I get to work. I'm a little shaken up. I share with our beautiful, beautiful pastor, Kathy. And I said, this happened. What do I do? You know, and she's like, well, you did something. You did do something. You got help. You prayed. And I was like, no. I said to her, I said, no, I will not be let off the hook that easy. And all day and all night, I wrestled with that. What is this, Lord? What is this? And the next morning as I was driving to work and I went around that same corner, I heard the same voice say the same thing. Thank you for feeling. But this time, I had reconciled something inside of me. And I recognized that, no, I don't want to be let off the hook. But I need to recognize that in that moment, that was the right thing for me to do. And I did do something. And we can all do something. We all don't have to be the white hope that comes in, riding on the horse and brings the deliverance and does the things. But we can all do something. I don't know what that something is for you. I don't even know what that something is for me. But I'm like, I want more training. I got to look at what this is inside of me that fear gripped me at the thought of getting my butt kicked by this young woman who is demon possessed or on heroin, whatever it is, both. But church, I think I'm going through this because we're supposed to go through this. We can't just be okay with what's going on around us. We can't just stand in the back and allow criticism to throw darts at our brothers and sisters. At image bearers. Those that don't even know God yet are still image bearers. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I just want to, I know this was, this was a little heavy. (laughs) is a little heavy. Um, But God, I thank you. I thank you that (laughs) in a beautiful way that you don't let us off the hook because you want us to partner with freedom, partner with breakthrough, partner with your plans and your purposes. I'm very aware that there may be some of you in here that could relate To everything I was saying. You felt those same fears. You have disregarded and felt disconnected. You have entertained criticism. Or maybe none of those things are one of those things. 
But we must know the times that we're living in. We must understand the times we're living in. We must allow the conviction of the times that we're living in to make us uncomfortable, to change something. We can all change something. We can all do something. What is it that you're going to do? Do you need to repent? There were many times I sat in the service and I would hear a call for repentance and I would literally say, thank you, I don't need to repent of anything. Really? Truthful. I'm not going to stop telling the truth now. There's always something in us that he's wanting to reveal. But he does it in the slow moments of life. He does it when we're not so busy. And so I just want to invite you that if you are here today and you want to be ignited, if you want him to ignite something in you, like he's done in me, I want to invite you to stand. And I want to invite you to come up. Are you ready to be uncomfortable? Are you ready to be uncomfortable with repentance, but to burn with a passion and a a a desire for the lost? A desire to see the dream of God fulfilled upon the earth in your lifetime. Can you imagine in our lifetime to see him move this way, Ron? How powerful is that? Jesus. If you are here and you have been satisfied with the appetizer... When he has a feast for you, I want to invite you to repent. There's a lot of room right up here. This is a very, very sloshy place. The love of God is here. The love of God is here. The love of God is here. The love, the lover of God is here. The lover of God is here. Conviction comes in love. If you've been entertaining a critical spirit and you've been judging others in any way, shape, or form, I want to invite you to repent like I have. This is between you and God. Jesus, forgive us. Father, forgive us. Forgive us. For some of us didn't even know what we were doing and others we do. Father, I release right now. I release right now that spirit of repentance that brings restoration and hope, that brings revival. It is repentance that brings revival. It is repentance that brings revival. We cannot call on God for revival if we are not willing to repent. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, just call out to him. This is between you and him. You are at the cross with him right now. You are seeing all those things.
is being paid for, being covered by his blood. God is on the move. He is on the move, but are you going to move with him? There is no doubt that he's moving. There is no question that God is moving. He is moving. He is moving. But will you move with him? Will you move with him? Will you move with him? Jesus. God, we position ourselves to move with you. What does it look like here in Vacaville? What does it look like here? We see what it looks like in Kentucky. We saw what it looks like in Toronto. We've seen what it looks like all over the world. But what does it look like here in Vacaville? What does it look like here in our area, in our homes? I feel like right now he's beginning to show you these things. Just declare it. Agree with the Lord. Whatever he's showing you, call it out. Agree with him. Yeah. 
upon this city and surrounding city, upon the churches. Let every church, God, let every church be full. Let every church be full. Let every cafe be full. Let your presence fill this place, God. Let revival come from this place. Let it be like a fresh wind, like a fresh fire that comes through. And Lord, we will not hide. We will not stay in bed, but we will get up. We will run with you. We will find you in the streets. We will find you in the cafes. We will find you in the lost.
you've shown me a fire in our bellies. That we've kept contained. Because like Michelle said, we've ignored those times when he's saying, come, come to me. And we're like, well, God, this isn't convenient. This isn't a convenient time for me right now. But he's wanting that fire in your belly to burn. To be all consuming. And all we have to do is respond to those moments that he's calling us when it's inconvenient. When it's sacrificial. He's not calling us when it's easy, when it's convenient for us. But he's asking, are you willing to give sacrificially? Are you willing to give your time and your comfort so that fire that's been in your belly will be all-consuming. So this this morning, if you're committing to responding to those nudges, those invitations of Him, to that spend that intimate time with Him when it's not convenient, I want you to put your hand on your belly as just a an act of obedience and I want you to speak to that fire in your belly that you will no longer contain it that you will no longer only let it out when it's convenient that you will take the protective coating off of it and let your life be a wildfire that's not worried about the convenience but about being obedient to every little nudge so Holy Spirit permission to make our lives inconvenient that the priority is to be obedient and to burn for you that our convenience will no longer be our priority but you will be our priority so we can burn for you So that a lost world will know what true love is. That they will be introduced to the one that gave them everything. That gave up everything to love them. So set us afire. We don't hold back anymore. 
but we'll be a people that will say yes to you. We say yes to you, Jesus. That our lives are no longer ours. But our lives are yours.
You all carry a testimony that is so powerful, it changes lives. It is time for your testimony to be heard. You are commissioned to share your testimony. Your voice is meant to be heard. Your voice carries the seeds and the breath of God that bring change and revival. My voice carries the seeds of God that bring change and revival. My voice is anointed to preach the gospel and the good news across the world. What is your voice anointed to do? What are you being commissioned? Who are you being commissioned to love? Your testimony is so powerful. Can you please put up the other? Instead of welcome home, who are we, mission family? Who are we, mission family? We are commissioned to change the world. We are being raised up and sent out as world changers. You are being raised up and sent out as world changers. If there's a prophetic word that every coffee shop is a place where the gospel and the testimony of Jesus Christ is being heard, then guess what, world changer? Maybe you start drinking coffee. Jesus, we need to know what are the prophetic words that are being released upon the earth right now. What is he breathing on? What is he he, he marinating on? What are you marinating on, world changer? Jan, we need you. We need you. Because you help people get their systems right. Because we can't think right if our system's not right. We need you. Amen. We need each and every one of us here. We need you. We need mothers and fathers that have been so steadfast in their faith. We need you. We need what you carry of the presence of God, of the wisdom of God. We need you. You are not done. You have just begun. We need you. We need your hugs. We need your smiles. We need your wisdom. We need your discernment. We need you. We cannot do it without you. We cannot do it without you. He will not. He will not do it without us. He will wait. until we're mature, until we're ready. But do we want him to delay any longer? Do we want him to have to wait any longer? We don't. God, we want to be that mature fire that consumes all that is in its path for your love, for your passion, for your kingdom. 
Jesus. Ooh, Jesus. Ryan. pray this blessing over you. You're welcome to stay as long as you want. And just keep being with the Lord. Let him keep doing what he's doing in you. But I felt like I needed to pray this over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children and I will bless them. So Jesus, we release that over everyone in this room. That your face is shining upon them. That you are gracious to them. That you are blessing them. You keep them and you give them peace so that your name shall be put on your sons and daughters and they will be blessed. So Jesus, we just thank you that you are the one that loves us and loves the world around us. So we just release this blessing over these people so they can be a blessing to the people around them. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, give Jesus a clap, yeah. Man, have an amazing week loving on people. And don't forget those little nudges respond quickly to them and see what God will do and don't miss Friday night right here 7 o'clock we're going to pick up where we're right now there will be no warm up time he'll be waiting for us so come 7 o'clock Friday night right in here Love you. If you have children in the children's department, please go quickly and get them so our children's workers that are amazing will still love us. Blessings.